You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you have successfully downloaded uh, another installment of the Savage Love Podcast, the weekly out loud and proud <laughs> version of Savage Love, my filthy, dirty, stupid sex advice column that uh, just keeps going and going all these years. 206-201-2720 is the number. Uh, we're going to do a little feedback here at the top of the show, your comments about the podcast and about my potty mouth. Uh, first, a shout out to George W. Bush, President of the United States. Uh, you're probably getting this a week later, but uh, President today said he's going to veto the hate crimes legislation passed by the House today uh, in Washington, D.C. that would add gays and lesbians to protect you know people who the government thinks maybe you shouldn't beat up. Um, but uh, George Bush is going to veto it, which means, as pointed out on WonkCat.com today, that Bush has vetoed just three things. He's against a cure for Alzheimer's, he's against ending the Iraq war, and he's pro beating the fuck out of the pansies. Uh, two more years of this asshole, folks. Two more long fucking years. Now let's get to your comments. Our first email to the Outloud podcast, which sort of defeats the whole purpose of the Outloud podcast, but whatever, I can read your fucking emails. All you people out there who are too afraid to have your voice on my podcast. Hello, Dan. After listening to your podcast from 42407, I decided to point out that the word pussy which is very controversial because some people have accused me of using that word in its pejorative sense to say someone is not very strong or that they're weak, which I deny ever having done in my life. And I challenge you to come up with any proof uh, that I've ever done so. But anyway, the, the, the writer writes, um, the context of being a pussy comes from the words first used to describe a cat in the late, uh, this says recognizance period. I believe they mean Renaissance period. It was then expanded to be an endearing term for women due to the felines association with femininity. And from there was applied to effeminate men or men who lacked the courage or other traits associated with masculinity. Terms like pussyfooting refer to a cat stealth, scaredy cat to the ease of startling a house cat, pussy willow to a cat soft fur, etc. Only 300 years later did the word pussy begin to describe female genitalia stemming from the root puss a hollow or small pouch. This gave the previous meaning more edge due to the ambiguity of its real meaning, hence why it's more extreme than, say, scaredy cat. So from an etymological point of view, calling somebody a pussy is far closer to calling them a cat than a vagina. So uh, I guess I can start calling people pussy again then. Thank you for writing. And another little piece of emails. Uh, somebody writes... Dan, we were not going to give names, uh, but Dan, I was listening to your podcast as I often do. I was so impressed again with your manner. <laughs> I'm reading this because I've been taking a lot of calls from people lately who think I'm an asshole. So I'm just reading this to uh, set my own mind at ease. Uh, I was taken with your manner. When you talk to young people, you're not the least bit patronizing or demeaning, but rather respectful, straightforward, and funny. Many moons ago when I was a high school student, if I wanted sex advice, it was met with flippant brush-offs or judgment. Of course, that kind of attitude does not always lead to healthy choices. Thanks, from Vancouver. Well, you're welcome, Vancouver. And now we've got some feedback for a call I took a week or two ago from a young gay kid, I think, uh, in New York or San Francisco or Chicago, in one of America's, one of North America's glamorous gay ghettos. And uh, he was going to sex parties, sort of online hookup arrangement sex parties, where you walk in, drop trial, and there's a pile of guys going at it. And I sort of came down strongly against these sex parties, because I think they're skeezy and gross, and I think gay men need a more highly tuned sense of cooties uh, than, than, than some of us seem to have. So I'm very anti uh, 
anonymous pile of guys sex parties. Uh, and we have a call from someone who wanted to defend anonymous pile of guys sex parties. He's pro. Here he is. Hey, Dan. I'm calling just to say that I think you're freaking awesome. And um, also calling in defense of sex parties. Um, I'm sorry you've never been to a really good sex party, but um, they do exist. I think you're sophisticated enough to know that uh, people are different and consequently parties are different because they can be set up in a good way or they can be set up in a bad way. And I've been to different kinds. I've been to ones that frankly have creeped me out and I think they would creep you and your listeners out like the one that was set up with a competition from month to month to see which guy could take more loads of cum up his butthole. That's really creepy. But I've also been to a really nice monthly sex party, which is set up to have a really comfortable, relaxed environment where speed is not allowed, where unprotected butt fucking is not allowed, and men of all different body types are made to feel welcome. So we see big fat guys and skinny guys hanging out together, and I've seen like 80-year-old guys and 20-year-old guys sitting next to each other in a hot tub having a conversation. And an environment like that can be really rewarding. It can be really nice just to enjoy the company of a lot of naked men. And also, if there's enough people, you can have a strategy at this party. Your strategy can be to get as much cock as you possibly can in the evening if you want. But you can also have the strategy of going to just hang out, enjoy the vibe, and then finding one guy that you click with and curling up in the corner with him for three hours. And last week you were talking about the calculated risk of disease. And if your strategy really is just to meet one guy, then your calculated risk of disease goes down. So I just want to put it out there that there is this possibility that sex parties can be really nice and rewarding. And actually, I hope that more people will do it and do it right because it can be a very nice thing. Well, thanks for your call and thanks for your perspective on sex parties that aren't completely dehumanizing and uh, distressing. You know, I, I would say, however, you know, t totally with you, there's a difference between a sex party where there's a contest to see how many guys can take how many loads unprotected in their asses, uh, which is basically, you know, to my mind, kind of, you know, I, I, I came of age sexually and emotionally during the, the horrors of the, the mid-80s AIDS crisis. And so to my mind, that just sounds like a murder party, not a sex party. It sounds like a death party, not a sex party. It sounds like a death wish party. Even today, I would say it's kind of a death wish party, not a sex party. You know, in the parties where there's no speed, good thing. Where there's no unprotected butt sex, good thing. You know, the parties where there's 20-year-olds in hot tubs chatting with 80-year-olds and everybody's naked and that's grand and glorious. Well, some of us, you know, myself, I, I would just admit up front, I'm barely comfortable with my own naked body. Uh, and other people's naked bodies I'm even less comfortable with in certain circumstances and times. So maybe I'm biased and maybe I would never have a legit opinion when it comes to piles of guys at, at a sex party naked. But the whole scene just kind of like flips me out. And, and I, I hear you that, you know, if you go to a sex party and your mission is not to suck as much cock as possible or grab as much cock as possible, but to find that one special guy. And you're saying, you know, that your calculated risk of disease then, if you're just looking for that one special guy at the sex party, is less. And I would argue with you. You know, you may find that one special guy that you just want to cuddle with at that sex party, but you have no way of knowing uh, that he hasn't already cuddled with or sucked the cocks of or taken the loads of 30 different guys at the sex party before you arrived or will with 30 different guys at the sex party immediately after you turn your back. Um, you know, you are not, you know, if you're looking for that one special guy at a sex party, you're finding a guy who is probably... 
promiscuous to a degree that, uh, you know, if you're me, you wouldn't be comfortable with. So, you know, you're really looking for uh, the wrong kind of person in the wrong kind of place. If you're a one guy kind of guy, you probably don't want to find the one guy at the sex party uh, under the pile of guys. But that's just me. And, you know, we can agree to disagree. And, you know, I've said these things a million times and the sex parties continue. So it's not like the whole gay world is taking marching orders from this faggot. Otherwise, it would have stopped a long time ago. Let's get to some calls. Hey, Dan. Uh, well, <laughs> typically I found that um, you've been answering your, your messages. Either you're hungover or you've had a few drinks. We hope that you uh, don't dismiss this message simply because, you know, I'm probably slightly tanked right now. Anyway, uh, I'm 26. I'm gay. I'm writing to you because I want to see how much you agree with me versus my friends. So, um, okay, so the backstory is, you know, I was in a relationship for two years with a guy, a great guy. Um, I don't think I've ever felt, you know, so connected to someone, et cetera, cliche, cliche. And uh, now I'm in medical school. In fact, I moved away from the city I lived in with my boyfriend uh, just so I could attend med school. And as a result, obviously, you know, I had to leave him anyway since then. Um, you know, I've dated actually both guys and girls, Dan, and uh, I haven't felt uh, that same connection. So, <laughs> um, to make a long story short, I think um, lately, I mean, I have started dating almost exclusively uh, just women. I mean, you know, I, I do enjoy their company. I can even out finger and have a, a bunch of fun in general, but not about girls, Dan. Um, I'm not really sure what's happening. So, anyway, uh, all my gay friends are calling me a poser because they think I'm really not any of these girls, and all my straight friends call me a wannabe because they think that I'm trying to pretend that just so I can, you know, get some action, no matter if it's a, a pussy or an ass. So, uh, Dan, is it, is it that I just can't find, you know, that one special girl? Is it that he, she hasn't come along yet? Um, or am I just a big poor homo who just needs to settle the fuck down and wait for a, a very special guy. Sometimes it doesn't feel like giving advice. Sometimes it feels like staging interventions. Uh, poser, liar, I don't know. Mess for sure. You are a mess. You open your call to me by saying, I'm 26, I'm gay, body, body, blah, 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 blah. You don't open your call by saying, I'm 26, I'm questioning my sexuality. I'm 26, I'm bi. No, 26, gay. Love this dude with him for two years, moved away to go to med school, had to break up. Don't know why you had to break up when you moved away to go to med school. Plenty of people move away to go to med school. One of my very best friends in the world, girlfriend moved away to go to med school, then came back and they're still together. So there's nothing about med school that means you have to dump people. Um, There is something about med school though that makes people fucking crazy. It's so intense. The pressure is so intense. I think maybe, you know, if you're really gay and not actually bi, uh, although you sound functionally bi if you're banging away at these pussies like you used to bang away at your boyfriend's ass, I think what may be going on for you is not so much being bi or questioning or anything. It's just avoiding real intimacy. There's plenty of people who are gay or lesbian who are capable of sexually responding to members of the opposite sex. I had sex with girls when I was a teenager. I could fucking do it. Most of the time I had to think about boys. Every once in a while, maybe there's a girl where I didn't have to think about boys with such laser-like concentration. Still had to do a little bit around the edges, but I could do it. Sounds like you can do it. One of the reasons I was doing it then was because I wanted to. I was avoiding intimacy because I didn't really want the risks and dangers of becoming, 
you know, entangled with somebody, really in love with somebody, because then I was going to have to come out. And you may subconsciously right now be going after girls because the stakes don't seem quite as high, because you aren't going to become emotionally entangled, because your orientation is gay, if you're gay and not bi. And so, you know, dating a girl isn't going to, you know, set you up uh, and put you in conflict with what is your top priority right now, which is fucking med school, which takes all of your time and all your mental energy. So you can't risk dating someone who's going to be sort of a mental and emotional energy suck, literally and figuratively. So you're dating girls right now, which is an asshole thing to do if you're gay, because you may be doing it to put off any real emotional entanglement or real emotional intimacy. That's maybe why you're dating girls, but it's certainly not why girls are dating you. If you're dating girls for those reasons, the girls you're dating may very well be dating you because they're actually interested in you. Because you're the first quote-unquote straight guy they've ever met who clips his toenails on a regular basis, who gets fucking manicures, who dresses well, who does sit-ups, whatever. They may be really emotionally entangled with you while you're dating them because you don't want to get emotionally entangled. You just want to get your dick wet every once in a while and come inside of somebody, boy or girl. And girls will do for now until you can get back to boys, which is what you really want. If that's the case, you know, I'm holding out the possibility that you're bi, so I don't get a million angry fucking phone calls from the bisexual screamers. If you're actually gay, you need to stop fucking dating girls because it's emotionally abusive, it's sadistic, it's selfish. If you're not available to anyone right now, seriously and emotionally, not fully intimately available, be fucking celibate. Jerk fucking off. Slip down to the morgue and fuck a corpse. I don't care. Just stop dating people who still have feelings who could still be hurt. And actually, I withdraw the fuck a corpse thing because they have relatives, some of those corpses, who may be hurt by your fucking them and getting caught and then going to jail where you'll have your pick of boyfriends. But still don't do it. Hey, Dan. I got a question. I do suck work, and I advertise over Craigslist. And I was wondering um, how you feel it is most appropriate to let the gentleman... I'm trying to cater to um, that it's sex work and not just a free fuck while I'm writing my ad. Before I get to your question, and it's an interesting one, uh, I just want to jump back there to drunk medical student who at the beginning of his question to me said, you know, he felt bad about calling drunk, but either I'm hungover or had a few drinks every time I do the podcast. That's not true. I've been doing, I've done dozens of these. I was hungover fucking once and you people won't let me live it fucking down. And we recorded one at a party where I had one fucking glass of wine. Jesus Christ, I don't do the podcast impaired every week. Well, more impaired every week than I already am. I do it stone cold sober impaired. Just like Abby and Ann Landers do their podcasts. Um, from beyond the grave. Uh, okay, here, you know, your question. How do you let guys know you're, you're advertising your ass on Craigslist? You obviously don't want to have a lot of back and forth email exchanges for free with guys who think they're going to get a free piece of ass if what you're trying to do is rent your ass. How do you let them know? Really simply, you post in erotic services, which is a category on Craigslist, and then nobody will think you're a free piece of ass. The guys who are looking to pay for it will all have sort of self-nominated as willing to pay for it by going into erotic services as opposed to men seeking men on Craigslist. So uh, that's pretty easy. Uh, that was solved pretty quickly. You could have solved it yourself. Just take a fucking look around Craigslist. Come on, hooker boy. Hi, Dan. I'm a uh, 27-year-old straight male. Uh, I have some friends. They're a lesbian couple, and they've been talking about <clears throat> potentially having a child together. So we're not close friends, me and, and this group. Sometimes we only see each other maybe once a year. Uh, but we have known it for a while. 
uh, we get along, and in the rare occasions that we have hung out, they've occasionally made uh, remarks that I might be a good donor. My question is, if they were to want me to donate uh, genetic material for them to have a child, um, what sort of protections are there for both me and them? I brought it up once to them, and, and they said that uh, sometimes it can be difficult for the genetic father to fully abdicate his rights to the child, and sometimes it can be difficult for uh, the father to protect himself from the genetic mother if uh, if they decided to sue for child support or something. I, I don't consider either of those remotely likely scenarios, but uh, involving something with the, the magnitude of you know having a child, it would seem that having the law on your side as well as uh, best intentions of both parties would increase everyone's comfort level. Sadly, I don't know anything about the law either, uh, because I'm just a drunk and frequently hungover fucking idiot sex advice columnist who can't be trusted to show up for a podcast tape taping without being all fucked up. Uh, but I'm going to give you a buzz because I actually want to get to the bottom of uh, other issues that you didn't touch on that, that are relevant here uh, that are about what you want and uh, what you don't want. And I think those are more important right now than the law. The law is easy. We can handle the law down the road. Uh, what we need to know is uh, where your head's at. Hello. Hey, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. What should we call you? Um, oh, what do you like? How about Jorge? Jorge? Okay. We'll call you Jorge, Jorge. Sounds good. Um, you're our second Jorge caller today. No kidding. Uh, but let's get right to the, uh, the the problem at hand. So you have these lesbian friends, a couple married uh, in places where they could get married, but not here because this is America, land of the dickwads. Uh, <laughs> and you're not close, but you see them every once in a while they drop these hints. Yeah. So, and they say you'd be perfect. Uh, well, uh Perfect donor. Hey, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> you, know, you know what they mean by that, don't you? Um, they like you, you're a nice specimen of manhood, but they don't see you all the time. So they're looking for a donor who's not going to be very involved. Is that the kind of situation that you would be interested in? Uh, I'm not opposed so far as I've gotten. Uh, I, 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 you're not opposed to being, being minimally involved. You don't want to be like a parent. Oh, yeah, that, that part of it, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you don't want to be a parent. Correct. And you don't even want to be like a glorified uncle babysitter or much of a presence? Um, I could be a tiny presence. I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I, I don't need it. Okay. It depends, but you have to be really – before you do something like this, you need to be really clear about what it is you want. Yes, and, and actually, I mean, we, we kind of started to broach the subject at, at one point some time ago, and, and their idea was that the, uh, the donor would be minimally involved at, at most, mm -hmm. um, if at all. Is that, is, that cool? is that cool with you? You just want to have an well, orgasm and go? <laughs> I mean, it's good for their kid that down the road they would be able to contact you because the kid's going to want to know where the cum came from yes. someday. The kid's going to want to know whose genetic biological father is and eventually have information and eventually have contact. The kid is going to want that regardless of what the moms want. Mm -hmm. The kid is going to want that. And, and you're right. To a, to a very real degree, it would be something that would – uh, need to be thought about more, but uh, like I said, I, I mean, I haven't given a lot of deep thought. I've just said I'm not opposed. <laughs> okay, and then um, you know the other question is, and, and this is where it gets dicey, and I can't really say. You need to, in the state where you live, go to a fertility lawyer, go to a lawyer who specializes 
in adoptions, who specializes in surrogacy agreements, who specializes in donor agreements. And all these things exist now. And find out what the law is. You may be able to sign away your parental rights so that one of the other mothers can do a co-parent adoption, the non-biologically related mother. And then you're totally cut out, and your ability to have any access to this child or involvement in the child's life is at the whim of these women. So that is that is very real and possible. Oh, yeah, that's totally that real. It's totally possible, especially if you live in a sane place. Like, if you live in fucking Alabama, no. If you live on the West Coast or the Northeast or the Midwest, probably, yeah. Well, I'm in your state, so. Okay, you're in Washington? Yeah, you should totally definitely be able to do that. The question is, do you want to do that? Because mm -hmm. you say now that, you know, you're comfortable with no contact and waka waka, walking away, and here's so where I, I come, nice to see you. I'd, I'd be comfortable with, with some contact as well. Okay, well, what you need to do, I think what you need to do is you need to build an agreement, a legally enforceable agreement with a lawyer, which means it's going to cost some fucking money. It's not just jerk off in a cup and run away. Mm -hmm. You need to, to create a legally enforceable agreement that sets a minimum that you cannot exceed, but that they cannot drop below. That, you know, you, you know, you could say, I, I get, like, regular visits and phone calls, you know, at least three visits a year. It doesn't mean you have to have three visits a year, but it means they can't deny you at least three visits a year, if that's what you want. Okay. And what yeah. you want may change as soon as this baby's born. So you would have to, like, hash that out with them. And it gets complicated. You know, a lot of lesbians, I think, have an entitlement mentality when it comes to uh, gay men's sperm. If, I don't know if you're gay or not. I'm straight. Oh, you're straight. Well, to, to some men's sperm, to their straight male friend's sperm, their gay male friend's sperm. I've, I've dealt with lesbian couples and lesbian individuals who had this real... You know, you're not using it, was their attitude toward me about my cup. You're just throwing it in your boyfriend's ass. Give us a cup, right? And then, you know, you start hashing out these little details, and to the kind of to the, to the women who would prefer no involvement at all, it starts to make frozen sperm ice cube donors look very attractive. And actually, I, I, I heard a, a pretty interesting discussion of that on a, a podcast you were part of, one of the uh, um, This American Life podcasts. They were talking about um, oh yeah 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 that, that, donors and, and you talked about adopting your son right and so if you what you want is some degree of involvement however minimal you need to put that out there and it might make them go away because what they want may be no involvement or totally up to them you know and they may give you some bullshit wishy washy bullshit about well we'll see and yeah we'd be comfortable with some involvement and then you have the orgasm and they never see you again <laughs> you know what I mean. And so you need to be cognizant of and protective about your rights, and you need to talk to a lawyer, not to a dumb faggot who's often drunk and stoned when he does this podcast. <laughs> All right. Good luck to you, Jorge. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Dan. I love you. I love your podcast. I love the column. I've been reading you since I was 14, and I'm sure you warped me in all the right ways. So here's my question. I am currently 18. My boyfriend is 22. And the sex is amazing when we have it. We're long distance, so that's kind of an issue. I'm the kind of girl who needs it quite a bit, so I've come to rely on masturbating a lot. Um, but my question is not about masturbation. He's given me carte blanche to make out with girls. I'm bi, and I don't know how comfortable I am with that. We're by no means in an open relationship, and the condition of me making out with girls is that I have to tell them about it. And um, I, it really just doesn't make me comfortable. It feels like he's saying it doesn't count when I make out with girls because stuff I do with girls 
isn't as important as stuff I would do with guys. There's no way I'm giving him permission to be in an open relationship and make and make out with other girls, and he wouldn't even be interested if I asked if I said he could make out with other guys. So I'm just kind of wondering, what is the best way to resolve this? You know how I love talking to the teenagers. I'm going to give this girl a call. Hey, is this Melissa? Yes, it is. Hi. Hey, it's Dan. Uh, so here you're having boyfriend issues. Yes. You know what's going on bit. here. You know what's going on here, right? Yeah, but like he hasn't asked me for pictures. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad that you know. You know that it turns him on. The idea of you making out with girls. So he's giving you permission yeah. during this uh, long distance stage that if you need to like mac on somebody else, you go mac on another girl. Just you tell him about it, and then he gets something <laughs> out of it too, right? Right. He gets to beat off thinking about you making out with a girl, and he doesn't feel threatened by it for some reason. Yeah. And you feel queasy about this. Why? Yeah. Why? Well, it feels. It feels a little misogynistic because it feels like stuff I do with girls then is, like, is worth less. Can't you disregard it as he feels that uh, girls aren't direct competition, you know, for him? Not because girls that. are less or you couldn't have a relationship with a girl, but because a girl couldn't replace, you know, your hunger for cock in your life. You know, because they're girls. Point taken, point taken. So he's the cock in your life. But if you want a little bit of girl on the side, you know, you're going to – if you're by and he's not, that's an adjustment mm -hmm. that if you guys are in an LTR and not forever a long distance are, you're going to have to make. Like, is he going to make some allowances for you to mess around with girls on the side? Yeah. And for him to be your primary partner? Yeah. Then I don't see that there's a problem here. You're getting something out of it. He's getting something out of it. He's not demanding uh, reciprocity. He's not demanding the right to make out with girls, too, and everybody gets treated equally. It's like you right. get to make out. You know, he's not calling your bisexual bluff. Right, exactly. He's not saying, you know, the bi's like to say, oh, I don't fall in love with genitals. I fall in love with people. Yeah. Right? He's not saying, hey, I'm not making out with other girls. I'm making out with other people. <laughs> right? No, he's not saying that. He's letting you off the leash, but willingly staying on the leash himself in exchange for the little doggy treat that is the mental image. Okay. All right. That seems fair to me. I don't know. I get weird about it. I guess it's like I've never really had, like, a relationship with a girl. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's kind of skipping the emotional side, you well, know? But that's something that if you want to stay with him that you'll have to skip forever. Like, that's yeah. something that if you want to be with him, you know, Forever, right. that you're forever going to go without. And, you know, who's to say that right. you can't have an emotional connection with some girl that you have uh, a series of flings with on the side? You know, there mm -hmm. are plenty of people in long-term relationships, plenty of bisexuals in long-term relationships, long-term, you know, what to the whole world looks like a heterosexual coupling, who have yeah. regular partners on the side. You know, that, that, that side right, relationship yeah. is a side relationship. It's not a threat to their primary relationship. It's openly a secondary relationship in everyone's minds, including the other person. You know, but they still have a relationship and an emotional connection. Yeah. That in some instances lasts for years. Mm -hmm. But it's secondary. So you okay, can't yeah. have that emotional connection and have him too. But you're, you know, you're giving up that emotional connection, perhaps, if you want to be with him. Maybe you need to break up. Mm -hmm. Do you want to uh, break up? I'd rather not. So you can have your <laughs> have your cock and eat, him, eat other girls out too. <laughs> right? Very right. He's like the ideal boyfriend, in a way, for a bi girl. It's okay for him to be turned on by it. Okay. It's better, right. isn't I mean, it? I was just kind of like... Would you rather have a boyfriend who's, like, freaked out and angry that you were attracted to girls, too? And, for, oh, and forbade not. you from ever, like, looking at a girl funny? 
You know, but you hear sometimes from bisexual girls who are like, you know, they're not happy about having a boyfriend who doesn't approve of her being bi, but then they're angry about having a boyfriend who's titillated by her being bi, so that's somehow <laughs> demeaning. And it's I mean, not. Yes, I guess it's like that, like, other boyfriends I've had have been, like, kind of freaked out and threatened by it. So it might have just been that, like, I was like, what's going on? This is this is a good relationship. Well, which do you prefer, the freaked out and threatened or yeah. the titillated and, and into it? Oh, clearly the titillated. I would, I would definitely tell you to, to stick with him and to stop worrying about it. And he's, he's a good guy, and you should keep your, uh, you should keep your hands wrapped firmly around him. When you're not I'll, making out with I'll, girls, when he's away. Yeah, I'll do my best. Okay. Good luck to you. Sometimes I think people just want to have problems because there really was no problem there in that last call. No problem at all. It's actually a really good setup, but. People like to fret. People like to worry. People like to uh, create conflict where they're not. Uh, there isn't conflict. Uh, so if you're bi and your opposite sex partner gives you permission to run around with same sex partners on the side, on the condition that they get something out of it too, like they get to hear about it and beat off about it uh, and fuck you while you talk about it, uh, I think you should be down with that. This has been another installment of Savage Love, the uh, Concerned Women for America's very favorite podcast. The phone number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. Once again, that phone number. Can't do it without your calls. 206-201-2720. You download this podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash Savage, and we'll be back next week. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth with another installment of the Savage Love Podcast. Thanks for downloading.